Have you got an idea for your own podcast just like this one? Well, join us at Anchor because Anchor is the easiest way to make your very own podcast. It gives you all the tools that you need in one place for free. You can record right from your phone, tablet, or computer. And with the creation tools Anchor gives you, it allows you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds top of the line. And they'll even do the distribution for you so it can be heard on outlets such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And then you can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership required. So what are you waiting for? As soon as you're done listening to this show, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it today. Hi, and welcome to the latest edition of Live from the Dean's Den. I'm your host, the Dean of Wrestling Referee, Steve Kane. This episode includes an interview that uh, we recorded uh, this past Tuesday evening with a good friend of mine, wrestling uh, manager and primarily known as Spanish language broadcaster, the wonderful Hugo Savinovich. Um, Hugo knew Harley Race personally, and uh, we talked about his uh, travels with Harley. We talked about uh, Triple Mania from this past weekend and a number of other subjects uh, dealing with the wrestling industry. In fact, uh, don't just listen to what he says. Listen to what he doesn't say. Because there's a little bit of a clue about somebody that might be coming to AAA pretty soon. So enjoy this episode, and I'll be back with a uh, short uh, afterward in a few moments. For this evening has joined us, um, oh, and yeah. I want to go ahead and I want to go ahead and okay, say I'm something. Gonna refresh. Okay, that's, that's fine. Let me refresh my call. Why don't you go ahead and refresh your call real quick, Katie? And uh, I definitely I want to I want to say something right now about about this because um, I because I want I want this all over the wrestling media I want this to um, all of our listeners as well. Um, Hugo Savinovich is the most gracious man in our industry. Let me tell you about. Let me tell. Let me tell you about this. Okay, um, we had, you know, we had gotten the word on uh, on Wednesday that uh, Harley had passed away. Um, we were talking amongst ourselves as to what uh, we wanted to do, whether you know, to do a tribute show or that. And uh, one of the first people that uh, came to mind was you guys. So. On Friday, I called. Now, I knew, okay, this was Triple Mania weekend. And okay, and you're going to start, you're gonna start sounding like a fax machine? You go to the bitch. Am I clear now? No. Not really, no. Hello. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you what. Go ahead and start all of our work back in. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of the greatest Spanish announcers that has ever been in professional wrestling, Mr. Hugo Savinovich. Hello, guys. Hello. 
Hello, sweetheart. It's been a while. Glad to have you back. Yes. Miss yes. You. Always good to talk to you guys. Uh, just came back from a tremendous Triple Mania 27 mm-hmm. show in Mexico. It was really, really good and uh, okay. very happy and getting ready to do Mexico again this weekend. And then the 31st, I'm doing Spanish play-by-play for All Elite Wrestling. That will be my second pay-per-view for them from Chicago, uh, all out. So, you know, good things are happening. Um, um, I want to wanna... go ahead. Okay, Steve, you sound like crap. I'm sorry. I love you, but you sound like crap. Um, you sound like a fax machine. I, I want to <laughs> ask you, and you may not even be able to answer this question for us because of contractual obligations, but are you going to be doing uh, commentary on television for um, TNT when they air All Elite Wrestling? Uh, down in the Spanish market. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, uh, the reason why I could do the pay-per-views is because uh, even though I work for AAA, a Space TV is the one that has me on their contract. Space TV is part of Turner Broadcasting System. So it's not breaking a contract when you're working for the same company. So uh, Cuddy, uh, Cuddy uh, Kenny, and the Young Bucks, we have such a good relationship uh for many years, I, I know Cody before he even broke into business. His father was a great friend of mine. So there's a good mm-hmm. possibility, good possibility that I will be doing uh, the weekly shows on TNT, and I would love to do it because I believe that for somebody like me that loves them to do play-by-play, the product that they will be showcasing every week is going to be very, very good. Well, and I think I think you're a great person to get it over. Because the fact of the matter is that um, some of their announce I, I, I don't mean to diss on them, but some of the pay-per-view of announcers not. have not really been the greatest announcers that they can get with JR. Um, JR, you know, JR is in a league all of his own because oh, it's yeah. JR. Good old um, JR. But you've got to put somebody with JR like the king that he can feed off of yeah, and really yeah, get a dynamic he, yeah. team going. Yeah. And all elite yeah, chem- does chemistry. not have that. Chemi- right ke- yeah. Chemistry is so important. It was like for 70 years, I did the WWE uh, Spanish broadcast with Carlos Cabrera. And, and that was my job. Like my job was to be there, set him up, let him do his magic. And I will come in, boom, add to the action and let the magic flow and put over the, storylines and the action of the matches and, and Jim, JR needs that and it's, it takes a little while to click, but uh, that, that's been my job too. For many years in WWE I was in charge of uh, getting the new talent like the Russians the French guys, all, the, all these worldwide markets. There were guys that did soccer or boxing in those countries, but never did wrestling. So my job was to teach him the psychology of, uh, of the product and trust me it's not easy because you fall back into uh, old habits, and when you already have somebody like a Jim Ross, it's already a big challenge to just sit next to him. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's, that's, a huge, that's a huge statement that you made, Hugo, because you're sitting next to an announcer that, uh, in, in most wrestling fans' mind, uh, is one of the greatest around. Now, you have the WCW fans that will say that Mike Tanay is one of the greatest things around. I love Mike Tanay. I love Tony mm-hmm. Schiavone. I love Jim Ross. Oh, yes. 
Um, they all played their part into uh, telling some amazing stories that happened in some wrestling companies that we've had uh, in the in the recent and even in the past. Um, because today, the way that the professor could relay some of the messages uh, that Mike Tanay could lay were just amazing. And then you, you had yeah. Tony Schiavone with the shock value. I mean, the expressions on his face yeah. always told the story. Yeah. And then when they, when they put Bobby the Brain Heenan with him, it was like, my God, you got Schiavone feeding off Heenan. And those two oh, were God, always yeah. at war. Um, and then, and then you yeah. had Jr. and Jim Ross and, uh, Jr. bar none, one of the greatest announcers that has ever, uh, walked the face of the planet. Uh, I, I loved his commentary times in, they were short in WWF, but the commentary that he did with, uh, Jim Cornette was very good, even in WCW and WWF, because those two could tell the story. And that's what you've got to have in your announcer's booth. It's two people that can tell the story and get the message across loud and clear because if you don't have that, you can't convey the message. Okay? When you're watching wrestling on TV um, or even a pay-per-view, you're not there live to get that experience. And what the announcer's job is to do, or at least what I was taught by the people that trained me to do announcing, was you were there. Your job, if it's going on a DVD or a television is to make the people at home feel like they are there. And if you can't yeah, do that, you don't yeah, need... the, Go ahead, yeah, you the go. Story, the storytelling has to be uh, natural. It cannot... If the fans know you, 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 you're not real, if they, if they can sense you're just getting a check, if they could sense that you, you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're in trouble because you could be the greatest announcer, the greatest play-by-play, but if you don't get to the hearts of the fans, forget it. It's going to be a long night. Well, and, yeah. and the other thing is you've got to have passion on that microphone. If you don't have passion on that microphone, you, you don't nothing. belong on it. No, you don't. Um, I have been Absolutely. teamed with announcers over the years and doing all the commentary that I've done, and I have had to carry some guys that they just pulled Didn't out of the parking car. lot. And it's like, oh, look. My. You can't, oh you can't really? teach psychology to a guy that is brand new on the product and just slap him in, in, in front of the announcer's table and call it good. You know, one of the first things I was taught when I was an announcer was study up on tape. You've got to learn, you've got to learn when to react and how to react and when to use emphasis on certain things. Because if you can't do that, if, it's, if you're talking in a normal tone announcing all this stuff, um, Nobody's going to get the message. Nobody's going to get the excitement. You got to get not the fans that, excited. Not only that, and that's it's, why it's, I like. It's, it's I like, like when the, you watch sports. It's like when right. you watch sports. You watch hockey. You watch baseball. You watch football. The commentary is key. I mean, there's people who take the radio so they can hear the commentary because they can't watch the quiet game. It's the same with wrestling. I can't watch quiet wrestling. Well, and this is the reason that oh, some no, of the territory that uh, uh, oh god. That Lance and um, even Gordon Sully were in did so well because those guys could go out there and man, could they make you feel what was going on in that ring or even around the ring or backstage? Um, right. You know, those were the those were the people that could carry a show. 
And now wrestling is presented in a different era where the announcer is not really the host of the event. Uh, they're just there. Um, but it used to be, you know, back in the day, that announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, for instance, that we've had on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you send okay. him out to the ring and he gets everybody hyped and the announcers come on TV and they hype you for the card and you're, you're in for a great night of television. Um, and that's what you got with AAA uh, this past weekend. You had Hugo calling the action and it was some of the best action that I've ever seen in the six-sided ring. Uh, I've got to be yep. brutally honest. I don't watch a lot of Lucha because it's, it's hard for me to follow in some way. But I really enjoyed AAA Mania. Yeah. And, and Hugo, you looked so dapper, my friend. That jacket was just absolutely out of this world. I loved it. Yeah, my, my, wife, my wife bought it for me. And it, it's got, uh, Cody Rhodes loved it. The Young Bucks. It, it was like, wow, that had nothing to do with this. My wife said, it's time for you to get a new wardrobe. And she selected uh, that. And, and you know, uh, once, one, once I put the jacket on and, and, and I said, oh, man, this is, this is the right date for this because it's triple mania. You know, like over 20,000 fans. Uh, we had a worldwide audience. You know, if you're going to put yep. a new tux, you know, might, might as well be for Triple Mania. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there were literally like twenty to 30,000 people or more watching the live feeds, both English and Spanish, on Twitch. I was, of course, watching uh, the English feed and that. Um, but, uh, I mean, seriously, and... So anyway, let me. Speaking of which, I want to get back to this because, like I said, we start. We, you know, when when we're talking about okay, who do we who do we want to um, talk to about uh, you know talking about Harley Race, and so Hugo's name came up. So I called him on Friday, and I left a message on his phone. I said, you know, hey, I know it's you know Tuesday money a weekend, and you are highly busy. If by any chance you get three seconds of time and if you can let me know if you could come on Tuesday night, I would really appreciate it. Saturday morning about 8 a.m. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here in my living room and all of a sudden my phone goes off and it's a text message from Hugo Savinovich saying, yes, I would be happy to be on to talk about Harley. Now, guys, this is the morning of the biggest event in Lucha Libre. Okay, mm-hmm. this is this is Lucha Libre's WrestleMania. So this man I know is in production meetings like all morning and most of the afternoon, getting ready to go on the air, and he took the time to say yes. I will be happy to come on your show and talk about Harley Race. So like I, I say, this this man is one of the most gracious men in our industry and he deserves every good thing that is happening to him and will continue to happen to him. Exactly. Yes, yeah, don't forget the fact that I'm doing this because of the passion that you guys put into this beautiful show oh. that you guys have and it's oh, it, and to me yes to me it's like uh if we could help people 
you know, forget about negative things about our business or when there's bad writing or creative, and we could just make them feel, you know, okay, relax, things will get better, and we could just keep that fire, you know, going for them, then, you know, that's what we do, and that's what you guys do, and that's what I do. So I, I love to be with people that love our business, that respect it, uh, respect the business, and that they uh, do an excellent job because you guys do an excellent job, and I uh, oh, congratulate you guys you. on that. Thank you very thank much, you. Hugo. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I want to talk. I'm, I'm turning red already. So let's well, let's talk about Harley since y'all. You know, this is this is what uh, tonight's supposed to be all about. So uh, Hugo, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about when uh, you first met Harley, your initial impressions of him, things like that. Yeah, uh, it just happens that I always had like a great relationship with Terry and Dory, the Funk Brothers, with the Briscoes. Of course, you know that I managed Abdullah the Butcher for years in in Puerto mm-hmm. Rico and the Caribbean. So I knew a lot of people. I was like very close to Ric Flair, and these guys would tell stories about Hugo and the weird last name Sadunovich, close to Sanovich, but yeah. you could call me bastard for showing all that. So, so I was. I, so I was part of a, <laughs> yes. So, so a lot of the guys that I knew had, you know, told stories about if you happen to be in the in the Caribbean, uh, if you happen to be in the Caribbean, uh, you gotta look for Hugo Savinovich. He's like the producer there, and he will take care of you. He's a he's he's a guy that gives you his word. He will keep his word. So whenever the guys went down to Puerto Rico or Trinidad, or uh, Curacao, or Aruba, any of the shows that we produced, uh, they they came up to me, and Harley came up to me and said, uh, Junior, Dory, Dory told me to look for you, that you know the best restaurant, and I said, it's an honor to meet you, Harley, whatever I can do for you, I'm here, you have a new friend. So we got to know each other almost like uh, immediately, that first evening that he was down there, and and uh, for me, it was a double honor because uh, to be in, in the presence of one of the true champions of our industry. And what I mean a true champion is that this guy could defend that title with whoever from wherever company, and he will kick some butt and leave that ring with the championship. No one, uh, during his era, there was no one capable of taking that belt or making him look bad because he was an ass kicker and he would take no names and race was that guy you know he was not a hypocrite if he liked you he liked you and if he didn't like you he would tell you don't piss me off just stay away from me because I don't want to hurt you and the worst thing you could do with Harley is to lie to him he says I'm gonna let, he will let you let you know you're lying to me and I'll let this slide Next time, uh, you will eat some knuckles, and Harley will look at you right in your eyes and, and, and do that. And we went out to a place, and guys will be a little bit drunk and come up to, to try to mess with the NWA world champion. I will step out of the table and push the guy away, and I'll say to the guy, I'm doing you the biggest favor. I am saving your life, your nose, or your eyes, because you don't want to mess with Harley. And and. So we got along really good, and then a couple of years went back, uh, went by, and then I got to go for Jim uh, Crockett's uh, Starcade, the first one, 1983, yeah. Greens- Greensboro. It was a snowstorm mm-hmm. for two days, for two days of a snowstorm, and that place was sold out, and I was managing Abdullah the Butcher, 
uh, that was closed circuit for part of the United States and at the Louvre Stadium in Bayamon, and I was managing Abdullah against Carlos Colon. That card was tremendous, and with the snowstorms and everything, it was sold out, and at the time, we didn't have this Facebook deal and all this uh, cable stations and all that other stuff. This was like right. you really had to you really have to produce a great rivalry, a great product to get people to come to the, the arena. And I was well, there. And it's, I funny, was... it's funny you say that, Hugo. We were just talking about uh-huh. the death of the magazine because we talked about how important the magazines were for getting the, the business over and how there's no longer any magazines left. It's all Internet, and you don't really have that form of media pushing wrestling the way that it used to to where people yeah. would be picking up all the magazines and going, hey, what the hell's going on in the wrestling business? Now you've got the internet. And yeah. I, I, I don't like it because some of those magazines, my God, you used to pick up every issue to see what was going on in the wrestling business because nobody knew. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Well, you know what is good? I'm jumping from the, uh, the first. This, there will be no pay-per-views without Starcade. Starcade gave the promoters a vision that there was money besides Absolutely. the arena in, in closed circuit and then pay-per-view. That match between Flair and Harley Race, if I was to use a match to give a young, a young uh, wrestler, female or, or male, the, the right image of what our business should be and what they should be inspired to do, that classic Star K 1983 Race and Flair was tremendous. Even with all the matches that I have called in my years as a play-by-play, that match has a special place in my heart because Race and Flair were on. That was like when you go bowling and you have a perfect game or the pitcher uh, throws you know, a perfect game. Flair and Race had that perfect game that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. There's one there's of the those most... matches. There's that one. Um, I I always talk I always talk about uh, the uh, Pat O'Connor Buddy Rogers uh, Comiskey Park match. Too that I mean that's one that uh, you know those are two matches that every wannabe wrestler should study. Here's because... another one for all the wannabe hardcore people. Uh, in 1978, Harley had a race. Uh, Hardly had a series of violent matches throughout the Midwest with the Sheik culminating in a bloody two-by-four with a nail in it match in front of 12,313 people at Cobb Hall. Wow. Yes. Or Cobo Hall. Yeah, Cobo yeah, Hall. Remember Hall. that at the time, the Sheik, was a, the Sheik was the owner of the company that ran Detroit, all that area, and also uh, the part of Toronto in Canada. And, oh, well, well, well. Uh, it, I'm in Toronto. Yes, the the sheik <laughs> had such a huge territory, but he he did not know how to to keep it. But th- those matches at Cover Hall and all the other big arenas, they sold out every building. It was just that that he he was a good heel, but not the greatest promoter, and that was a problem with a lot of the big companies that they were they were top wrestlers and they were also the promoters and. And, and there was frustration because you could be a great promoter, but not, not necessarily you could be the greatest wrestler, but you have control to keep you with the championship. And that, that brought uh, a right. lot of 
situations into the territories. Um, were you there for the match with Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race? Uh, do, do you recall? Because there was a couple of them. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, you, if, you, if I had told you before. I did the NWA uh, Spanish show when they were invading New York. We, we drew Night of Champions 1985. We drew over 19,000 fans at the, the arena. I don't know the name of the arena now that it's next to the giant, uh, giant stadium. The, the, before it was named Continental Arena, but I don't know the name of it. We drew like 19,000 fans. And, uh, uh, but uh, I did the Spanish play-by-play for the NWA, and I did some of those classic matches, but I also remember that I went to one of their shows that I was invited, and I know that Dusty was working with uh, with Rays, but I don't I don't know if that was the one you're talking about. Um, no, I you know that's a, that's people. This is wrestling. You go back and you talk about uh, Harley Race versus Ric Flair, Harley Race versus Dusty Rhodes. Um, these are some of the most classic matches that you could ever ever go back and watch in wrestling. Uh-huh. The only thing more classic than this is Luthette. Um, yeah, right. there was there was there was also. I don't know if you, because uh, I, I was doing my live show right now, but one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that when when they had the convention to vote on who was going to be the next uh, NWA world champion, that they were selecting Nature Boy Ric Flair. They loved his image, his wrestling, but at the time, you needed to know how to shoot it out. And Flair was never that. Flair is one of our best workers, but he was not a Harley Race uh, guy to like shoot with somebody. And when they gave him the championship, and the like, for instance, uh, I, I when they, when Flair went down to Puerto Rico, or when I took him to the Dominican Republic, the the promoter had to pay at that time anywhere from ten thousand dollars for a match for Flair. We're talking about nineteen eighty. Ten thousand dollars at that time was like huge money, and yeah, they would absolutely. pay the, they would pay the champion. They would pay Flair ten thousand dollars, but they had to pay a different fee to the NWA for allowing the champion to defend the title there. And you could not book uh, 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 outcome of the match without the consent of the NWA when the champion went to town. So when it came time for Flair to go to Japan. Uh, they, they, they were so afraid that the, the, what you call strong style, it's, it's very, very weak compared to what they had before, which was like semi-shoot stuff that, uh, that the champion, uh, Flair, was going to defend the title there. And the NWA was worried that uh, Flair will be defeated uh, by one of the guys that will just beat him up. And wow. what they did Ooh. was, what they did was, and you could actually Flair. I believe that in his book, he probably talked about it, because uh, I know they quoted me on the book. But they asked me, "Did you ever see Rick doing drugs?" And I said, "No, Rick never did drugs because Rick is a drug." That's what I said. <laughs> as my quote. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was wow. my quote. That was um, my quote on the book. So, so what they you? did was they, they sent Harley Race. They sent Harley Race with Flair to Japan. And he will stand in a corner, and he will let the promoters know, do not try to embarrass our champion 
because Ray said, I will kick your ass. And this was in, this was in Japan. And not too many guys would venture to go to Japan and say that to the Japanese promoters at the time where there was so much money in Japan and you had some of the best shooters in our business in Japan. Mm. Um, I want to talk and, to you. And also, I want to ask you a question. One at a time. Right, guys. One at a time. Yeah. If I'm if I'm thinking right, because I remember I remember Mick Foley talking about this a little bit in in uh, his first book. Um, at that time, I think I think there was a certain element of the uh, yakuza, the Japanese mob, that uh, was involved in the uh, professional wrestling industry over there. Wow. Yeah, well, a lot of times, a lot of times was mostly like sponsors, but it wasn't like directly with the promotion itself of like I like I was Abdullah's manager so when Dory Funk Jr. booked me to wrestle there I would get my money for working uh preliminary matches I had to fight with Giant Baba because he wanted to put me over as respect that I I will take care of all their young stars I went to Puerto Rico and managed Abdullah and I said no I just I'm just a manager in Puerto Rico let me put your talent uh, over and uh, and what he would do is that he would tell the referee, uh, no, he's going over as a you know sign of respect. The other thing was that when my week's wow. check will come, my week's check will come, the company will give me that check. But then Baba will call me on the side, and he will give me cash money as a as a presento. That's the respect of the culture. But uh, uh, wow. on the other hand, you have this. You had these big sponsors, a lot of a lot of big names, and a lot of people that were a little bit dangerous. That were sponsors, like from, there were sponsors for Bruce Brody, Abdullah the Butcher, Stan Hansen, all these guys. And like in my case, I was the manager of Abdullah the Butcher. I could go anywhere in Japan. I could wow. be at three o'clock. I, I could be at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, and I could I could have diamonds in my hands. I could be counting money outside, and nobody will come to touch me because that's that that was like a sacred ground this guy is our guest you do not mess with him and wherever they took me uh-huh. i didn't have to pay not even not even a tip not even a tip i went to places that they were not open restaurants that were not open for the general clientele this for this were like only like the the richest people the people with connections that will go in and it will be like you have to make a reservation like uh, six months in advance, and because you wow. were, uh, because you have mm. sponsors from Abdullah the Butcher, you could go like twice twice in a row if you wanted to, and and they will they will just take care of you whatever you need. That's how wrestling wrestling was so huge in Japan, but then they made uh, uh, like the mistakes were were in the states where territories like the Sheiks disappear and the big Canadian offices and war class of the Bonerics and uh, the Blanchers mm-hmm. in San Antonio. I studied this, and I also saw it happen in Puerto Rico. Even though Carlos is still celebrating, I think, his 46th anniversary, they did not have the vision to think on the future, and they only thought about today and the big house today and the cotton ball and and this show and that, and they did not think about uh, uh, a structure to create the new champions. And in Japan, you had the same issue that they decided that they wanted to go into more of the shoot. And from, and from having live shows on the top TV network, 
live. This was not taped, it was live. And they were getting tons of yens. Uh, they, they went crazy into, let's do this shoot stuff. And you have the hardcore fans that loved it, but ratings plunged. Uh, sponsors didn't want to see them. And they went from the top networks, live shows, into the smallest network, into out of boom. And that disappeared. Lately, they have made some case of a comeback. But, you know, it, it's sad because it was uh, Japan and other places were were hot for wrestling. I worked in Louisiana for Cowboy Bill Watts, and and every a guy working the first matches uh, at the time the Booker was uh, Buck Robley. I tell the fans if you mm. if I if I my book in Spanish is called Atangana Ring de Tentaciones. Uh, uh, in the future, I will have it translated. You work in Louisiana. The Booker was Buck Robley, and you had like twenty twenty five thousand people. And, the, and Buck Robley will come out with one of those construction uh, wheel carts. Like, I don't know how, what name of them, like where you put all this stuff. And Junkyard Dog will be sitting on top of all these tires. And Buck Robley will be carrying him into the arena. And he will be wearing kind of a Nazi hat on him. Oh, this is, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And Terry Funk will do a promo that he was going to go and destroy uh, the young kid dog, and at the time there was not political correctness, and you will see the shadow of somebody looking like the young kid dog being hacked from, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff at the time uh, that you you could do back uh, then, and this they were selling out everywhere, and it was crazy, but this was the era of that type of wrestling, but. Uh, Bill Watts will put in like 45,000 people at the Superdome on his big show every year. The right. Bon Erics did like 40 at the Cotton Bowl. So wrestling was hot. And they, they, what upset me is that they, they want to blame Vince McMahon Jr. for, for a lot of things. And, and a lot of times it was, their, it was their own bad decisions that made this territory disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, were you were you with Jim Crockett Promotions when they went out of business? Not when they went out of business. I was there when the the whole place was doing huge business. It was so much money made there that that Crockett will I will do the TV shows. That was one one story. I did the interviews. They'll get the boy, the boys in like uh, uh, Flair or. Uh, uh, Dusty, uh, the Boogeyman, Jimmy Valiant, uh, Roddy Piper, Greg the Hammer, Valentine, and I will, I will get the interviews and I'll translate for them. And that was the time that I met the Boogeyman for the first time. I told me he's gonna be be dancing like, uh, like his music because the music didn't play at the interviews. They'll put that afterwards. But he said this is like uh, his music will be like sounding when he comes in for the regular TV show when it airs. And he'll come, and he'll kind of give you a kiss. And I say, wait a minute, what, what is what is this about Jimmy giving me a kiss? And he said, yeah, that's the Jim boogeyman. He take, yeah, he takes a, the boogeyman. Jimmy yeah. Ryan takes takes the announcer and gives him a kiss. He said, but it's just like you know a soft kiss. It's, everything is cool. I said, okay. I so I, I yeah, so I did the interview. I did Roddy. I did Roddy Piper. I did Roddy Piper. Oh, I did. Piper. I did Piper, I did Tully Blanchard, and then here comes Boogeyman, and now i got to pretend that I'm hearing the music, which, oh, which wow. there was no music. And he goes around me, and then he kind of bends, like, he, like in the big romantic uh, movies, he kind of bends me, <laughs> and like, 
and 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 I have no choice. Well, yeah, I mean, like that. Think, and I'm thinking he's just gonna put his lips on mine, and that was it. He kissed me. He put his tongue inside <laughs> my <laughs> mouth, and and oh I had I had never experienced a man besides like my father, one of my best friends, with a you know with a kiss, something like that. And uh, and I'm doing the interview. You know, I cannot say cut. And he, it looked like he wasn't going to let go. And he had, of course, they got found out. Oh, man, it was like crazy stuff. But Flair knew about it, and the other guys knew about it. So they they were just watching what he was going to (laughs) do. Oh, my God. Yeah. And speaking Um, of, happy birthday, handsome Jimmy. I will bet you any money they dared him. They bet him like a hundred bucks that he wouldn't do it. I bet you any money. Um, yeah. Oh, and then, then after the show, he came, he apologized and everything. And then we, we were very good friends for a long time, but then I never trusted him again. Every time he went <laughs> for a kiss, I will close my lips so hard that you will have to hit me with a brass you know, knuckle you know to open what? up my lips. You know, you, you know what you do? You know what you do about that? You try to kiss you again, you grab him, dip him, and give him one, and just say, I can do that <laughs> shit, too. Yeah. Because it's like a gross-out competition. You got to one-up and one-up and one-up, or yeah. keep up. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I hear you. God. I understand. I understand what you mean. You totally feel um, off after that. <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, that's like in the ring, Luke, Bushwhacker Luke used to always lick the top of my head. Oh, my uh, God. I managed I managed the, the bushwhackers when they were called the New Zealand sheep herders in Puerto Rico. In oh, Puerto yeah. Rico they were they were called Los Pastores they, de Nueva Zelandia. I knew about that. And, uh, I knew about that. Yeah. And I managed them for, for many years. So with that I could tell you the stories and the problems that they will get me in. There was a place close to the airport where the bushwhackers the Pastores of Nueva Zelanda were going after the big show. This is it was called Pizza City. It was open 24 hours a day. It's still open yeah. 24 hours a day. And then it's like like not not tables, just like around like a bar around with stools. And oh, yeah. they will go in and order pizzas and drinks. And then they will go crazy and start like crawling from one side to the table, knock on the counter, knocking knocking tables. I'm mean, knocking the plates oh, out yeah. and. Everything, yeah, they were like crazy. It was Sounds sometimes like a Friday just night like, Toronto. Yeah, paying the bills. Sometimes it would be like three hundred, four hundred, uh, paying some of the bills yeah. from the customers. Uh, you know, complaining about their food and stuff, and they the butch and Luke have to pay for the for the bills. So, so I went through some uh-huh. crazy, crazy stuff with them. Beautiful people, I I love them. Yep. Oh, so yeah. That sounds like that uh, sounds like a Friday. That sounds like a Friday night. At the big slice in Toronto on Young and College, when it was still there. Hugo, we are a little over a month from probably one of the biggest wrestling events you will call in your life. Uh, it will be AAA invading Madison Square Garden. Talk to us about what that means to you. Wow. Well, my first time with Vince was WWF Attitude for an Ecuadorian guy that broke into business at 14 and that had to deal with the gangs to, to go and wrestle, learn to wrestle. I, I used to walk from 138th street in the Bronx, Brook Avenue to 156th in St. Anne's close to the, that precinct where, in which uh, that big 
fire and everything was was they made the movie out of Fort Apache. I was just a oh, few yeah. blocks from there in an in an abandoned building. That's where Toro Maldonado, General uh, Rivera was who was invaded three years afterwards. And uh, these Puerto Rican guys had a boxing club, a wrestling club. And for me, as the years went by and and I came back and with uh, WWE attitude, my first pay-per-view from Madison Square Garden, my, my legs were shaking because that is like the most famous, most famous arena. So years go by. I worked for Vince for 70 years. Then I do the first season of uh, Lucha Underground. I do some independent uh-huh. shows and all that. Uh-huh. And then out of, out of nowhere, I get the contract again with Space TV, which is their broadcasting system. I start doing uh, AAA again. And then they say, uh, on this date, you're going to be uh, doing the press conference at the Garden. And that was such an exciting thing because one of the top guys at the Garden uh, – his name is Steve uh, uh, Carroll. He's one of the big shots there. He used to work for, for WWE, and now he's like the big guy there. He came down to say hello to me because I'm, I'm, I'm always like a friendly guy. I respect people. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I, I was feeling like a, like a little nervous because I was coming back to a place that is almost like a sacred uh, place for, for entertainment, for sports. You walk through that hallway, and you see all this mm-hmm. – Billy Joel, all these big shows that have sold out. And then I was doing the press conference. And then when I set the date, September 15, celebrating the Mexican independence, invading New York, AAA, and then we had the guys and the girls come out. And it was, it's huge because uh, uh, AAA was supposed to do the first show uh, from another company. That's correct. But, uh, but uh, uh, Dorian, the, the president, and Conan talked about it. You know something? We are not ready yet. We have to work harder on that triple mania, which which was which was the right move. And they they let the New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor do it. That September 15, we after this triple mania, more people got to see the product, and just having the talent that we had, get stars, young bucks. Kenny Omega and uh, Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, oh, yeah. they love the, sh- the show. And uh, Omega has already did a challenge with uh, Phoenix uh, to do the Mega Championship. Yep. Those two guys are going to have the best match ever. I mean, those two guys could really deliver. So September 15th is huge for me because I, 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 I came to Ecuador when I was nine years old. And I walked and I was, in, uh, you know, I was doing bad stuff in New York and all that all that. So to me, it's like uh, celebrating, you know, the being able to overcome, uh, overcome obstacles, and and don't ever let people tell you uh, your story is over, because they are not, uh, they are, they are not who call the shot. And uh, here I am doing the the garden, and I will be doing the forum in LA invading LA on October uh, 13th and I'm doing the pay-per-view on the 31st for all elite wrestling. So tell me how crazy is it? This is. Oh, this is fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just, I love, I love the idea because I mean, like I say, I sat there and Saturday night, I have to go to bed early because I get I get up I get up my my Sunday morning with church and everything. My Sunday morning starts at four a.m. Oh God! So so triple triple mania 
ended a little after midnight here in Illinois. But it was worth it was worth losing the extra few hours of sleep because I mean seriously yeah. that from top so, to bottom. So, that, that just so you're just telling us, yeah, I only had a disco nap before church. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's basically that's basically it. So uh, yeah, so so you go. I blame you for that. No. <laughs> All your fault. I mean seriously. I mean. From from the uh, I mean from the uh, opening match, which was only available on the Spanish feed, but it was a real good um, trios match there. I love that the uh, mixed tag opener. I mean, you know, I'm actually I'm still a little surprised that uh, uh, Big Mommy and uh, Nino Amborguesa did not uh, split up. And that, because that was what I was, that's what I was predicting, and I think a lot of other people were, um, and that to um, the uh, surprise that uh, Copa Sriplemania with uh, first Conan coming out, and then Vampiro, oh my God. Oh man, man. That, was, that was a huge, huge reaction. Uh, you know, Vampiro's been struggling uh, uh, you know, um, mentally, uh, he's been uh, with through a big, big challenge uh, of health, and I could not believe that he he, he was coming in, and how people reacted uh, to that. You know, of course, if you follow the storyline, Conan yes. had said that that he was going to make history that night, and of course, those were like prophetic words because he was going to come in. How uh, he had uh, uh, on the on the last show that we did in was Calientes prior to Triple Mania. Conan interfered mm-hmm. in a match and he injured his ankle. And then uh, uh, we went on Thursday morning. What the, uh, the company is so different because the company has uh, uh, their Catholic. I'm a I'm an evangelical pastor and evangelist, so it's like mm-hmm. two right. worlds getting together. So, but they 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 have a big procession uh, and they start from different points of the capital. And the fans keep joining, and you have, you go into this two deck touristic uh, buses, and then you keep making stops, and the fans are all over the place until you reach a point where the bus stays there, and then you come out and you walk with the fans to the uh, Virgin Guadalupe Church for the Catholics, the cathedral. That's like right. the most sacred place, yeah. and then you walk you walk like 14 blocks, and it was so hot. And Conan is the main creative. I'm part, I'm part of the announcer's team. And let me tell you, you there's thousands of people that will stop you. It, it, it's like a procession, right? And you take pictures yeah. and autographs. Yeah. And then you reach, yeah. you, you, finally, you finally reach the cathedral, and now you have the special service, the family of AAA, the promoters take special offering. And then you see the masked luchadores, and you see Conan. But Conan walked through the streets, and his ankle was in such bad shape, and then we, we didn't have a hat on, so my whole face was, like, burned, and, and Conan, we, it was like, it was like a bad, bad, uh, uh, you know, sunburn, and I did not know that it, because, you know, my, my, my reputation has always been, unless I'm the creative of the show, if I'm just doing the announcing, and, and I could help you with the creative, but the main story, the main storyline, I don't want to know, even when I work for Vince, I will, I will find out a couple of things, but like the main thing, I will not. Carlos and me will you not want to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the, yeah. And I yeah. and I still do that, 
And then when I saw him coming out, and I saw Vampiro coming out, I said, I, I cannot believe this. So, so it was, it was good, you know. I'm, nostalgia oh, yeah. sells. Nostalgia sells. And if it's done right, uh, you know, it works even better. Right. Well, and well, uh, I mean, you got what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> with, uh, what are your thoughts on that with WWE bringing back Goldberg? Okay, before uh, anybody you know, gets in, I, into that, what are they doing? Are they they bring back Goldberg so he can learn how to wrestle? Is that is that why they bring him back? Oh. No, that story the, 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 the story the, the story there was they gave they gave He's the Undertaker sorry. Yeah, they gave they gave the Undertaker an opportunity to redeem himself after that South uh, uh that Arabia South you know, whatever uh, uh yeah. fiasco. So they 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 have to give Goldberg that opportunity to redeem himself, and uh, I think they got the right guy. If you cannot have a good match with Dolph Ziggler, especially with the way yeah. that they finally letting him uh, be Dolph Ziggler, I think he's got enough heat yeah. now that if if uh, if he does what Dolph Ziggler could do, yeah, he will make he will make Goldberg look good. To me, that's how good yeah. Ziggler is. Yeah. That he will but, that he will make Goldberg look good. But I wouldn't put him over. That's well, just me. I don't have. Well, any I don't know. Him. Apparently, apparently, Paul has some uh, long term plans for using him like that. Oh God. So it's just you know. it's just how many people he's hurt and and he they say he he ended Bret Hart's career and he's just he's just a botch master. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah. that's how I feel. But, I'm the same perspective. Yeah. I'm allowed to say right. that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Understandable. Well, like I say, but anyway, getting back, because like I say, with the whole thing with Vampiro, um, I mean, <clears throat> um, Matt Stryker, I mean, the first thing that came out of his mouth when when he saw when he saw his old broadcast partner was an expletive because he was literally <laughs> shocked. It, uh, it's like, it's like, Oh, holy shit. <laughs> no, holy he shit. is the up for it if I remember right. Holy and, fuck. There you go. I and, get you. And, and I mean, and seriously, and then of oh. course, you know, he knocks Conan oh, off, right. and then he leaves the ring, goes <laughs> over to Marcela Pena, and says a few words, and then, and then he left, I mean, to the point where, uh, Nobody actually, nobody actually saw him leave, and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking, so, speaking of leaving, and I really hate to do, but it is twelve o'clock. I won't call it what I usually do, I'm and I need to yeah. walk the dog. Okay. So, so yeah. All right. All right. Okay. We will see you next week, Katie. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love the stories. Why, why do you think I? Why do you think I went to church all my young life? Because I like the stories. And, oh, yeah. and that's why I love being a part of the show because I get the stories that nobody else gets. And I don't tell them everything, but I give them little things here and there. You know, I don't pull the curtain <laughs> too far. I just say, yeah, well, I know this. And I know that. And yet, no, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about. This is how it happens. You know, I can do that. But, yeah, uh, I just hope this, this, ladies, this ladies show that I'm going to be going to this weekend, the summit. I have to be there at 11, 11 a.m., do some networking, meet and greet, bring some ladies here. Oh, hope it goes as well as I hope it does. Hope it's gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna Same go here. I'm tired. Same here. Yeah, I'm just gonna get this dog walked. 
poor guy. <laughs> is that the one with the is, is the summit the one with Bull Meccano? They uh, do you believe Bull McCollum is going to be there? Shotzi Blackheart is going to be there, and Jordan Grace, and I can't remember anymore right now, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Rosemary's on that one. Rosemary's on it. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, honey, I'll be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I still got my awesome. All right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Great. I'm out so, of here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll Good see night, you next boys. week, Katie. Good night, Good night honey. Boys. No. Huh. Good night. So you go. You go, um, okay, uh, now, question regarding uh, the um, ladies' match, because there's, there's, been some, there's been some question that um, the finish that uh, happened wasn't the finish that was originally planned because uh, Chica Tormenta missed the table and uh, got legitimately injured and that, and then all of a sudden it's like uh, Conan made a call in the back and uh, – um, Tessa Blanchard winds up uh, getting the getting the Arena uh, de Arenas title. Um, you know what information do you have at this point on any of that part of it? Was that yeah? Uh, uh, was if you yeah if you follow uh, Chica Tormenta style, she, she in Mexico the girls also fight with the guys, so they're used yes. to taking a taking it you know like. I mean the bumps that the bumps that the luchadores and luchadoras take. I mean it's unreal. This these guys and girls are in top shape. The 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 match. To be honest with you, I have predicted in Spanish that that match. I was expecting to steal the show, but it wasn't it, it wasn't as good as I was expected to be. But the tormenta uh, story on the bump it it got us scared. Uh, my partner Guillen and me, we we got scared mm-hmm. because it, the 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 body, the way she gave in into it was so so hard. Mm-hmm. In Arena Ciudad Mexico, where he got injured uh, a few months ago, Phoenix, it was so solid, right. like you could hear the the body just went boom. But she's such a tough cookie that uh, that she was alright because because uh, the, the actual finish. Was uh, uh, that to give uh, Blanchard the the championship? Oh, uh, they want okay. they wanted to use they wanted to use Triple Mania to showcase uh, the international vision of Triple uh, A of not just having you know like uh, oh, only Mexicans win championship. As a matter of fact, you know that they gave them uh, uh, they gave the Young Bucks the championships and then the the, the Lucha Brothers recovered it. So the the Lucha. Uh, triple R with Conan back uh, as the head uh, uh, writer, the head creative. It's more, uh, you will see that beautiful lucha style, but yes, you will see like storylines, like for instance, the Phoenix and Kenny Omega after the match saying, you know, if the people want to see it, I want to challenge you for the mega championship. So you have those storylines. We also uh, heard from LA Park saying to the Presidenta, the, 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 Saying to to her, your worst nightmare has come back. So now we know that L.A. Park is back in AAA, which opens up a door that he might be showcased in some all elite wrestling shows too. So it's something, right? right. Yeah. Well, so, so, yeah, because but, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So Tessa Blanchard, 
yeah, Tessa Blanchard, that was originally supposed to happen. She was supposed to win. Okay. But uh, Chica Tormenta scared the heck out of all of us because uh, she was supposed to be eliminated, but not with a crazy bump like that. Uh, and it just mm. – and when when she saw the reaction of the people, then she just decided to stay down, which, which oh. it was fantastic, which it was fantastic wow. because – if you're not if you're not hurt and you get that reaction, you know I uh, I was I, I honestly thought she was hurt and and we talked to her. Uh, that was one of the questions that we got uh, uh, on the live shows that I do almost and then on the official AAA page. Everybody wanted to know if she was at the hospital. She's a tough cookie. She's a tremendous athlete. And this girl, I mean, she could battle the guys and, and hit the guys harder than the guys did. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, good to good to know that because yeah, that's. I mean, you know, we're we're watching and she's just laying there, not moving, and and the medics are coming to the coming to the ringside and that, and I'm like, go, because I mean, I've I've had a, I've had a few instances where I've had to legitimately throw that X up, and that. Yes. But I mean, seriously, she looked like she just was. Gone and that and uh-huh. that's you know a lot of, and a lot of, and a lot of people are going, oh man this this can't this can't be this can't be the planned finish, this can't be the planned uh-huh. finish because you know it had it had to have been she was supposed to win and she got hurt and they and they made a backstage call so uh, you know knowing now for, you know that that's that that's the case that uh, that was it was originally planned for Tessa to win. Oh, and the fact that uh, Chica is okay—that's that's that's good news, um, in and of itself. And that um, yeah, and plus it, and plus it gives it gives more presence to the world ladies title, which is called Reina de Reinas. As Tessa right. Blanchard was part of part of the press conference that she will be at uh, at uh, in Bayley, New York, and she will probably be defending the championship. I I, I haven't asked Conan about it. But it will be a natural for her to defend the title against the uh, Impact Knockout Champions Taya. Uh, so yeah. because there's because there's this fantastic relationship uh, with the companies, you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that I think that um, I mean that that match in Impact has been awesome. I'd love to see them, you know, cut loose. Uh, in uh, with Triple uh, A style, I think that I think that's going to be amazing. And then, of course, the main event. I mean, well, the presentation alone of that, I thought was just it. It totally it totally blew me away. Sean, did you did you get to watch that match yet at all? Uh, the hair versus mask match. Yes, I did yes. not. Did um, but oh, I want to talk about oh, this man. for a minute because originally. Originally, when I ran my company with Ed Schumann, Lord rest his soul, uh, there were plans to bring the Blue Demon to Illinois. And one of the matches that was actually talked about being had with my company by Ed was Steve Carino versus the Almighty Sheik versus the Blue Demon Jr. for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Um, so this, this kind of... Um, you know, Blue Demon Jr. being the star that he is, um, that that would have been huge. 
I, and boy, let me tell you, if that wouldn't have packed the little town of Ashton, Illinois, and that lovely venue we had, I don't know what would have. Because yeah. we brought right. Steve Carino in, and he cut that epic promo uh, uh, where he unmasked himself as Mr. Wrestling 3. And uh, oh my God, I mean, he cut that promo. I don't, you know, I deserve a shot at the NWA World Championship, not Blue Demon. And it, oh my God, I'll have to go back and get that on video for Steve to send you, Hugo, because that that was some spine chilling stuff to think about. You know, the NWA um, being a part of the NWA not only uh, was huge, but getting to that level of, of the possibility of having the main title in my company was just huge. I mean, um, and there were plans for it to happen. Sheik was supposed to beat Blue Demon in Chicago in 2009, and the the event got canceled. And uh, uh, the story that I got was Blue Demon didn't want to do business, which um, after doing business with the almighty Sheik, I don't know that I, uh, you know, would have not been in Blue Demon's shoes. Um, But... um, you know, there, that was some good stuff. And, and, and uh, Blue Demon, I never met or talked to, but uh, the, the opportunity uh, that may have arose for him to be able to come into my company would have been outstanding. Um, so I, I, I definitely am a fan of Blue Demon, uh, somebody that Ed Schumann put over a great deal. And I believe that Ed used on a couple of his shows. Um, Blue Demon is a legend, and there, there a, are not. And he's such he's such a gentleman and such a nice guy. He's been a friend of mine for for uh, you know for some time, and uh, he is uh, you know one of, one of the true legends of the lucha uh, that are left. You know, and uh, he carries himself uh, you know so like like a gentleman. And he's a, such a professional, and uh, and also uh, he he has a, he has his own uh, foundation, so he helps out people. Uh, Ooh. Great business, great businessman, and uh, of course uh, his mask is one of the one one of the most recognized masks in in the lucha oh. war. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. and and you well, know. To think, to think of, uh, the, like I said, of Blue Demon coming in and facing Steve Carino. And I wasn't a big fan of the Almighty Sheik, but he got over. I, rem- I remember the night we put him against uh, Silas Young and the whole place was chanting USA. And then we turned in, uh, Steve was there the following month when we, uh, he was supposed to face Silas again and Silas no-showed. And I had to bring in this guy by the name of Chief out of Kula Kula who's worked down some in uh, Puerto Rico. And, um, you know, um, that match, Sheik threw a fireball and my God, you, you could have heard a pin drop on that one because the whole place, they didn't, they didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what was coming and I don't think Steve knew what was coming. And when it happened, we were like, Oh, we were, when it happened, we were all like, Oh shit. Um, because I ran in a small town. It was only a town of 1,200 people. My idea was to pull people to the town instead of pull the people from the town. Um, and, I mean, he threw that fireball, and, oh, my God, 
it was it was outstanding. But just to think of that guy with that level of heat and Steve Carino and the Blue Demon. You you had Blue Demon who had a name from Mexico. You had Carino that had his name, um, which I was always a Steve Carino fan. Still, um, glad he got a job with WWE. And and then you know the crazy almighty Sheik. That was look that 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 to me is a fan, and not only is a booker but as a fan got me excited. And yes. That's that's the kind of wrestling that you don't have anymore um, in a lot of places is, is stuff that not only excites the booker. Well, you got plenty of stuff that excites the bookers because nobody there, there are too many people out there that want to book to please themselves and not book to do business. Blue Demon Jr. Um, has been a part of these companies down in Mexico for a number of years. And that's why the companies that Blue Demon has been associated with have done well. That's why he's a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, and it, it's fitting that we're talking about Blue Demon Jr. when we're also talking about the death of Harley Race. Two former NWA World Heavyweight Champions. Two legends. Yeah. Well, like I say, Sean, the, I, when you watch this, the presentation alone was amazing. I mean, Hugo, I mean, I know you were, because you guys were actually positioned this time Towards the back of the of the of the arena, by by the edge of the stage. So you yeah, were right kind of like right next, right, yeah, right next, right next to where it all happens. Where you see the fire, the heat for the pyro. Every, everything was like uh, like right next to us. Yeah, yeah, and and with and Sean for this one, what they did was they had. In one cherry picker, they had Blue Demon and his son. And then in the other cherry picker was Dr. Wagner Jr. and his family. And, um, and Blue Demon was in his uh, traditional garb. And uh, Dr. Wagner and all of his family were all dressed in white. And Dr. Wagner had his white mask on and everything. And they hoisted the two cherry pickers up basically up to the level of where the where the big screen was and so the two of them are watching and they and they run a video recapping the entire story between the two of them and they're watching this and watching each other before they then bring them down so that they can come to the ring for their for their introductions and that and then the match itself, I mean, oh, my gosh. Oh. I mean, it was a total bloodbath, first off. You know, but, um, but the, but the uh, action itself, and this was something, uh, Hugo, that uh, the people in the uh, chat room on the English Twitch were talking about was the fact that here are two guys in their 50s, and they're working harder and better than a lot of 30-year-old guys. And that. Yes, so much passion, so much passion. Oh, yeah. And the, the, it, it, that was the last match of a long evening, and nobody left the Arena Ciudad Mexico until they, not only they cut the hair of Wagner, but until their promos were finished, that's when you saw the 20,000 fans 
live in the arena. There's so much respect. People don't know. That, first of all, Mexico, it's, it's a nation of 200 million people. Wrestling is the second sport in that nation after soccer. And they, mm -hmm. the Congress voted to make uh, Lucha Libre part of their, uh, of, uh, of their national treasure. So wrestling, wrestling is like sacred there. And uh, right. when, when, when uh, the show was over, it was in Mexico's time, uh, it was past uh, midnight. I got right. back to the hotel. I got back to the hotel at two o'clock in the morning. People were in the streets because that's another thing. It was televised on the top network live, not on cable, just like on free TV. TV Azteca had it live mm -hmm. on 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 Mexico. You're talking about a, a nation of 200 million free TV on a Saturday night. Names of tradition like uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., Blue Demon. And it's international stars. And then you have us on Twitch and Space TV, which is usually we record the show for Space TV. But Space TV was also live. So this was, like, amazing stuff to have uh, the whole, like, Twitch and TV Azteca. Uh, we don't know the numbers yet. But I know that it was, it was competing against a primetime show on Televisa. And it just moved them, like, for big, big I, I gotta find out the, the the amount of millions of people that watched when, it. Yeah, but when you do, make sure you let me know because I would love to. I would love to know the numbers on that one. Yes, but uh, yes. I mean, I'll tell you what. When uh, when uh, Doctor Wagner Jr. Um, cut his promo, and um, Matt was you know somewhat uh, translating it, and when he said, "This is my last match. I am retiring." the chat room just went up for grabs. I mean, it was like almost everybody immediately started typing, no! They just, they're like, no, he can't leave us. He can't leave us. Now, I mean, I mean, that's the kind of respect that, uh -huh. you know, that the, that the, you know, that the American uh, AAA fans have for Yes. For Dr. Wagner. Oh, I mean, it was just, I mean, it just, I mean, everybody was like, no, this can't happen. This can't happen. No. How, how are we going to, how are we going to survive Lucha without, without Dr. Wagner? You know, I mean, it just, I mean, that was, that was the, you know, the response to him oh, announcing that was just, like, you know, as he's getting his head shaved was just absolutely amazing. Now, I'm so, yeah. So Sean, definitely sit down. It's worth, it's worth the three plus hours of your, of your life to, to watch this thing because this event is just amazing in and of itself. Of course, um, uh, the you know I mean the the emotion when they inducted Silver King into the uh, Hall of Fame and that and then um, on, then honoring you know um, Pedro um, the president of CMLL which uh, I definitely uh, give a tip of the uh, hat to uh, Marcela Pena and whoever in the office felt you know that they should do that. Is I thought that was very respectful, considering that the 
two promotions have been as odd for so many years and that I, you know, I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was a great deal for them yes, to do that. Yes. It was you respect. Know. It was respect. It was respect. And also it, it was to unite uh, the wrestling industry. Like, you know, we could compete, but this is to show respect for the man that uh, was in charge of, uh, of keeping the legendary Arena Mexico, Arena Coliseo, and the CMLL, uh, you know, doing uh, what their grandfather wanted to do to to have, the, you know, the Mexico uh, wrestling uh, style kept in, in that fashion. Right, right. Yeah, that's one of those things. Um, because now I now I know I'm going to have to sit down. Uh, and uh, pull out pull out my copy of uh, Tales of Mass Men and sit around and maybe watch that uh, tomorrow. It's been a while since I've looked at that. Um, that's a I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever watched that one, Hugo? No, <coughs> no, I have heard of it, but I haven't had the the opportunity. It's called uh, you got, uh, uh, Tales of Masked Men. Okay. So you've got you've got you've got to watch that. That is that is an amazing documentary on the entire lucha industry and that in Japan or in Mexico. Um, that one uh, Mondo Lucha is you know obviously is another great one. Um, so you know so definitely if you get a chance watch watch both of those. I think they're actually both on uh, Netflix. Um, or at least they should still be on Netflix, where you can where you can watch those. All right, I'll, I'll check it out. Sometimes it's it's crazy because I have all the HBO, the Cinemax. We got the Netflix. I I, I got a subscription of New Japan. I obviously have the WWE one, and we I just work. You know, I do so much stuff that it usually I, I don't have the time to watch it, and I and I have and I have Netflix, and I have all that. But sometimes it's like, okay, I gotta take a flight and leave in the morning. So my wife says, you gotta go to sleep. You gotta go to sleep. So then yeah. you travel, well, you come back, and, and then you're tired to watch it. Uh, right. Before well, you go, stuff, you go. Some of that stuff you go is actually downloadable. So you could, so you could download it, and then you could, and then you could sit there and watch it on the plane while you're flying. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I, my favorite show is Seinfeld, and I have. Uh, I have like my wife for my my birthday gift. I have like three different collections of Seinfeld, and I have to to put them into my uh, traveling because I, I I like to relax watching stuff that I love. Oh um, yeah. I want to ask you one last question before uh, we pretty much wrap this up here. Um, yeah. What match are you most looking forward to at All Out that's announced? We have Adam Page versus Chris Jericho. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, Best Friends versus the Dark Order, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in the ladder match. Wow, I, I just happened. Yeah, I did a promo for that uh, ladder match. Uh, uh, it, it's going to be airing uh, soon on the on uh, on the All Elite Wrestling. I did it in Arena Mexico. I mean, uh, wow, you got there, there's like. Everyone that you mentioned there has the capacity and the ability to, I mean, just do fantastic. But uh, man, that uh, 
Lucha Brothers ladder match Young Bucks. I had the Young Bucks against the Hardys in one of my shows in in Chile, and they mm-hmm. had a fantastic match. So I believe if you get the Lucha Brothers with the ladder match against the Young Bucks on on a, a, a sold out arena with the vociferous crowd of Chicago, I think you have the ingredients of having one crazy, unforgettable uh, match uh, of the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. But like I said, any of the matches you mentioned could be could be a, a, a fantastic match. Well, and here's one yeah. that's going to be classic with the angle that they did in that brutal chair shot. It's going to be Cody versus Sean Spears, but Sean Spears is going to have a member of the uh, Four Horsemen in his corner. Tony Blanchard. And that's, yes. Tony Blanchard. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like the it. video like that it. they did for that, um, I don't I don't know if, if either of you guys have seen this yet, but what they did was they did the contract signing, and so Tully made a demand because he says that, you know, Cody comes out with, you know, like, 1820 relatives and Pharaoh and all of that. Um, I'm going to be the only one in, in uh, Sean's corner. We, I want, I want only one person in Cody's corner. So there, so that's, so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who they, uh, who they play off as to who's going to be in, in Cody's corner. I mean, of course, a lot of, you know, normally it's Brandy, but uh, this time they may, you know, I'm 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 wondering if they might if they might pull a surprise. And speaking of surprises, um, of course, for the first TV taping, um, the uh, six man uh, with uh, Kenny and the Young Bucks against Chris Jericho and two mystery partners. Of course, the uh, big rumor is that the two mystery partners will be none other than LAX. Um, now, with uh, Conan's connection with them, Hugo, are there any rumors floating around um, that they uh, might be headed down to Mexico anytime in the near future? Because I know the storylines, I, 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 cannot, I cannot talk about it. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but, okay, but, folks. Uh, what he's not saying may be more important than what he is saying. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the uh, there's going to be a lot of things, a lot of things happening, which I am I am pretty much in favor of uh, having Triple A get into more storylines, having All Elite Wrestling put on a beautiful hour show every every week with uh, good matches, uh, and not uh, forcing you to watch. Too much storylines in the back of the dressing rooms or the arena, and just concentrate mm-hmm. on putting on a better show. And I think it will force it will force Vince to uh, to give the fans more matches and less less bad stuff because right now it's a lot of stuff is not yeah. making sense. Uh, for instance, exactly. I just did my live show. I just did my live show, and uh, I was commenting. Usually, I get like. Like anywhere from 3,000 comments, I get about 20, 22,000 views, and we get around 3,000 comments. And, and you'll be surprised. Fans are able to talk hard what you could learn from them. And 
the 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 storyline with with Reigns of the uh, stuff falling on him and which was so bad produced, and then uh, the card storyline, and then Murphy being cornered into a, a lot of people don't even know who he is because they don't watch Two or Five Live, and then yeah. to have the big star the big star corner him and forcing him to say about Rowan, and then when he says the name, you have like ten seconds a shot of a Brian and Rowan in the ring, and then you you go and the show is over. It is like it's been so bad, you know, storyline, and Triple uh, A will force the WWE uh, uh, Vince and the writing team to mm-hmm. put a decent product out there because that the Seth freaking Rollins uh, walking out it was the worst acting that I have seen in my life. That has not uh, whoever said. That was going to help that match because if you were only looking for him to say it, then I guarantee I'm going to beat Brock Lesnar. You did not have to put him through the bad acting. The, I mean, after what yeah. Lesnar did to him, if you cannot improve, you already did, leave it alone. I always said, if you cannot touch it, leave it alone. But bringing him out yep. there was so bad, and the way the show ended tonight. Uh, it was just so weak because you're going from Tuesday into that match on SummerSlam. It's, I believe that right now what we live in today is a microwave wrestling storyline. It's no longer like let it cook. Now it's 30 seconds and we're done and let's just push for the ratings. Let's just push for uh, people talking about us and not only wrestling. So it's like uh, they lo- no longer care. And that gets me very upset because right. I am a wrestler. I love wrestling. I compete. I could be in a company, but I don't wish anybody else bad. I want everybody to do good because it's good for the industry. When one, when one has a bad show, it reflects on all of us. I mean, it's not just them looking bad. It makes all of us look bad, especially when it's the number one company in the world. When they look bad, I mean, it makes all wrestling look bad. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are right there. So, all right, my friend, I will uh, let you get out of here so you can get a little rest. You've uh, got another uh, crazy schedule ahead of you and that um, definitely when you do get uh, up here to this area, um, make sure you call me. I, you know, I know you're going to be busy. I don't know where my finances are, whether, you know, there'd be a way to get around to where we could get together and have some lunch or something. But, uh, you know, at least, uh, at least if we can manage to, uh, get, you know, get a little, uh, chat on the phone and that, that would be awesome. But, uh, thank you, Hugo, you take care of my friend and I will, uh, talk to you, um, real soon. All right. Thank you very much. God bless you guys. And I hope that you keep, uh, you keep uh, getting bigger audiences and, uh, these are the shows that our industry needs, and I bless you guys in Jesus' name. Good night to you guys. Thank Buenas you. Noches. And to you. Do you have your own idea for a podcast, just like Live from the Dean's Den, but you've never figured out a way to do it yourself? Well, it's real simple. All you do is go to anchor.fm, or you can go to your Apple Store or Google Play and download the easy-to-use 
Anchor podcasting software. You can add audio files, you can add your own commercials, and you can bring in guests and listeners. And the best thing is it's all free. And you get your podcasts uploaded to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So join us at anchor.fm or download the software on your Apple Store or your Google Play and make sure you join live from the Dean's Den and start your own podcast today. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview um, next week and possibly the week after, depending on how long the actual interview takes. Um, we will include our interview with 1980s WWF star Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Um, hope you've enjoyed this episode of uh, Live from the Dean's Den. Um, if you really want to, uh, you can support us financially. Uh, just uh, follow the uh, link to find out how to do that. And we will be uh, hoping to uh, entertain you some more next week. Thank you for listening and goodbye for now. <laughs>